tomb where soldiers watched in vain was borrowed for three days. His body there would not be. Our God has robbed the Our God has robbed the Could be seated. Whew. I love that song. That's a good one. That is a good one. Oh man, well, I want to welcome again, welcome you guys. Thank you so much for being here today. I just know that God's got some awesome stuff for us planned as we continue in our uh, service this morning. But we're going to start something brand new today. I uh, kind of gave you a forewarning last week. We were going to start something in regards to family, right? We're all part of a family, whether you like it or not. Some of you love the family, some of you are like, or not, okay? But we're all part of family. And uh, so we're going to start this new series. Uh, it might be a four-week series, something around there, but it's called Family Portrait. You know, we all have some of those most awkward family photos, don't you? Anybody have them? Right? Like, like you see them on Grandma's wall. And you're like, really? My family looked like that, you know? 
how crazy, how hideous, right? We've all had those times where you got, I remember when the boys were, were real small. They're still small, but when they were real small, what was that in the mall called? Picture people? That is like a ripoff. I mean, so much money, and the kids are screaming and crying, and, you know, the people are down there who don't know who the kids are. The kids don't know who they are, and they're trying to get them to put a smile on their face, and I'm just standing there going, good luck with that one. Good luck. So, I, we've all, well, I've got a couple family portraits, not of my family, but we found some I thought might, you might enjoy as we look at them. Throw one of, throw one of them up there. That, she looks like she's going to kill the other two. For what they're doing. And you know the dad was the instigator. All right? All right, let's go to the next one. Yeah. Yeah. That's it. I don't even need to say anything about that picture. That, that family needs help. The dad's like, dun, dun, dun. The son's like, I hate you, mom. And the daughter's like, yeah, wait till you go to sleep tonight. All right? All right. And the mom's just going, can't we all just get along? Okay, here we go. All right, go to the next one. That is my family. All right, I saw that one and I was like, yes. All right, so we've all been there, right? We've, we've all been there within family. You can get off of that now, all right? We've all been there. We, we, we have pictures of family that we're just not really thrilled about, really excited about. And I, I, I want to kind of throw this out here, and I'm not trying to do it in a downing way, but sometimes, guys, you know, what we see of other people's families is, is, is a lot of hurt. A lot of discouragement, a lot of despair. You know, you don't know what somebody's going through just because you see them on a Sunday morning and they have smiles on their faces. You don't know the pain that's going on in that family. And, and, and watch this. Some of you don't even, you, you've, be, you've allowed yourself to become blind to the own problems that you have within your family. And we become numb to them. And so typically what happens, they never get addressed, spiritually speaking, never get addressed. And we really fall away from allowing God to truly bring a healing within family. I think it's so important for us as the body of Christ, for us as a church, to really take issue with that. And that's why I've, I've kind of named this as family portrait. In, in other words, what has been portrayed by your family, I, I, I don't want that anymore. I, I want to see God get involved here. I want to see the healings that needed to take place, the restorations that need to take place. Watch this. The Bible, the simply the Bible living that needs to take place. How many of you would, would have to, to, to say that you want your families to, to be blessed? Just shoot your hand up. You want your family to be blessed, right? I hope that's every one of us in this room. We all want our families to be blessed. Now look. What we're going to get into here, and if you're single, you're probably like, man, pastor just doesn't go with me. If you're a kid, you know, this isn't me. If, if you've already raised children, you're like, this isn't me. No, this is for all of us, all right? Because some of you, you need, as, as you know, you're still married with that spouse. Guess what? You're still a family. You're a family regardless. You have kids, maybe you've grown and gone. You're still a family. It never leaves. You like that? Let me bring that into perspective for you. That headache is never leaving. All right. Well, Paul, Paul, Paul walked around with what, a thorn in his side? No, I'm just kidding. All right. We're not going to go there. You're not going to go there. All right. But, but some of you, you know, you'd be like, well, you know, I'm single. I don't, this is great preparation for what's going to be. Laying some great foundational truths, some great teaching. Some of you, you're, you're newlyweds, so to speak. You don't have kids yet. Uh, that's coming. And you're going to need the Bible. I need it every day. All right. So we, we would all love to say 
that our families are blessed or that we want to see our families blessed. But when you look at families today in general, the first word might not be, they look blessed. The first word might be like, wow, you know, that family is really struggling. Maybe what I'm saying might reflect you this morning. Maybe their marriage is not what it could be, or this is me. Raising kids is way more difficult than what I thought it was going to be. <laughs> there we go. You got one or two amens in that one. Right? And admittedly, though, that the exposure to so many temptations, perhaps, could be a result of what is weighing heavily with on families. I mean, think about it. There's the challenges of what? More blended families than ever before. More families... Um, single, single parent families, trying to do everything, trying to juggle everything, making, and, and just everything gets so complicated anymore. So what we're going to do is we're going to look at some teachings that, that Jesus gives us through scriptures in, in Matthew chapter 5. And when he taught this, it is what we would understand it to be called the Beatitudes. We're going to apply several of these Beatitudes into what our homes should reflect and should look like, all right? Um, next week, what we're going to look at is this one, is blessed in the pure in heart, for they will what? They will see God. Most of our homes will not be characterized by the word pure anymore. I hate to say that. It's the awful truth. But for many, it would be impurity. Of all the sins, the temptations, the struggles that we as families can get into, that we as individuals get into, that creep with inside of our family and really try to, to, to deteriorate it and try to break it down from what God intended the family to be. How do we have homes full of people that are pure in heart? That's what we would look at. The next week after that, we're going to look at what the words of Jesus where he said, blessed are the peacemakers. Everybody say peacemakers. peacemakers. And we need some of them within the families again, don't we? Blessed are the peacemakers, but often we are people who are simply this, watch this, peace takers. We're more concerned about bringing problems in than peace in. Why? Because we're selfish. We want to see other people look bad. We want to bring conflict to prove that we are what? Right. So how can we be peacemakers? That's what we're going to look at. And then the last week on this, my idea is that when Jesus said this, blessed are those who are what? Persecuted for righteousness sakes, for theirs is the kingdom of God. This really falls right into the culture that we live in today. And, and, and simply saying that are we a Christ-centered family? You know, people will actually make fun of those who are of their faith. And, and if we're not to the place where people are looking at us and persecuting, then maybe we have to say, are we really demonstrating Christ? within our family? Are we really demonstrating Christ within our lives? All right, so today we're going to take a look here in Matthew chapter 5, verse 6, and it says this. This is for our first beatitude we're going to study. Jesus said, blessed are those who what? What do they do? Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness for what? You will be filled. I, I believe so many homes are filled with what matters most to them. But they're not searching and they're not striving for anything full of true meaning. 
Like, we're living our lives with things that don't matter. We really are. We're, we're living our lives toward materialistic things. We're not living our lives toward the righteousness things. We're living our lives doing what other people think and what, they're, 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 what they feel that our family portrait looks like. Rather than going after the things of God, the things that are what? Being thirsty after what? Being hungry after what? Righteousness. We're not hungering for those things. It's almost as if we're not hungering for right living any longer. But for doing the right thing in the way we please God, we do it by doing faith, living out our faith by the way we know that God wants to live our faith out, by allowing the word of God to be a part of our everyday lives. You know what? Reading the word of God is showing affection to God. I'll tell you something funny that happened last night. Y'all be like, that's gross. Don't talk about that, Pastor. But I'm going to talk about it anyway, all right? And my in-laws are sitting over here, too. So me and, me and Andrew were sitting there. We're watching some show. I don't know. Something dumb. There's nothing good on Saturday nights. You know what I mean? It's just like whatever. So we're watching something. And, and, and uh, so you know what? Our, this is kind of embarrassing, but I don't care. I'm going to say it anyway. Our, our, my wife is, I'm in the recliner, right? Get a picture. My wife is on the couch over here. And then our little guy, Caden, is right here, right? And uh, Carter's playing Fortnite somewhere, you know what I mean? And uh, so we're sitting there, we're watching something, and, and, and I had gotten up, got something to drink, did something like that. So I, I went over, and, and here's what I did. I gave my wife a kiss, right? The five-year-old Caden, I mean, he turned red from head to toe. And just laughing and giggling and smirking and all of this stuff. And I thought to myself for a moment, watch this, moms, dads, grandparents, watch this. If I don't show affection to my wife, to my spouse, and my kids don't see that, how are they ever going to learn to show affection as they get older to their wife, to their spouse. Are you following me here? Watch this. If I'm not allowing the word of God, if I'm not allowing prayer time, if I'm not allowing devotional moments, which, watch this, is showing affection to God, and I'm not exampling that and showing that to my children, then how in the world Will they be able to grow up and know what to do when it comes to this spiritual discipline? We have such a heavy responsibility on, on ourselves, but it should become so easy for us. The Bible tells us that we are to hunger and thirst for these things. So here's a question that, that I want to ask all of us. It's, 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 it's kind of, a, you know, I'm life application here, all right? And is this, in your home, what are you hungering for in your life, in your family? What is it that you are pursuing? What matters most to you? Some of us, we, we could say, well, with integrity, we would say, we're here to please God. Okay? But if I were to ask your children, how would they respond to that? Let, let, let's, let's, let's make this easy. All right, the last seven days, the last seven days of your life, what were you character? What, what, what were you characterized as pursuing? 
What have you been hungering for? And if we're, if we're honest about that, some of us would say things, well, you know, um, I, I, I want to relax. That's what I hunger for. I just want to relax, right? That, that's all I care about right now. I want to chill. I want to relax, okay? Some of us would say, look, I want to have a good time. All right, I get it. Some of us say, look, I'm looking for comfort. In other words, I need things to ease up. So many, so many stresses, so many, so many things. Some of us say we work hard to, for the week so that we can simply do whatever we want on the weekend. We, we're, we're pursuing fun. We're pursuing, we, we just want to unwind. We, we want to do something and get this. That's fine. There's nothing wrong with pursuing those things. The problem is, is when we're not allowing God to be first and we're allowing these things that we're pursuing to take place of God within our life. All right. Now, think about this. Some would say, well, you know, we're hungering to be liked. And, and so we're kind of about image management. Look at our family from the outside. Don't look at us from the inside. Right. Look at the way that we dress. Look at our home. Look at the car we drive. It's got to have heated seats or air conditioned seats now, right? Look at the boat. Look how Christianese we are. For some, it would be, I'm just living on the whim. Whatever the whim is to you. Whatever your thing is. I don't know what that is, but you do. Brings us back to the question is this. What are you hungering, thirsting for within your life? What is your family hungering and thirsting for? Is it the things of God? Is it the righteousness that we see within the scripture? If you're like most people in, in the culture today, if you're really honest, you would say probably this. The last seven days, we were more than likely pursuing something or many things simply above God. That we were not hungering and thirsting for righteousness. So what do we do when we realize that we're going after the wrong thing? What do we do when we really break down our family or we break down our own personal life and realize the things that I have been pursuing may not be God first, but maybe God somewhere else down the list? What do we do when we're realizing that we're hungering for these wrong things? Watch this. This is crazy. You got to change your appetite. You're hungering for something within life. You really are. You see, understand this, that when you were developed, when you were born, when you were created, and I've said this several times in the past messages, but I'm going to bring it to your attention again. We have all been created with a void within our life. Every single one of us. We have been created with a void within our life. And there's a reason for that. God has allowed us to be created with a void in our life so that we have to fill that void with something. And the way that we true, show our true love and dedication to him is by filling that void with God. Amen. So what are we filling the void in within our lives? What are we hungering after? What are we, are we going after God? If not, then we need to change the appetite. Now, all of us in here, we all have different things that we like. Some of you are big uh, vegetarians. Do we have any vegetarians here? We still love you. I don't understand your mentality. My wife, literally, I believe she could be one. Okay? Right there. I force her not to. I'm like, You're going to eat meat. No, I'm just kidding. 
<laughs> that way she cooks it. You know what I'm saying? All right, cool, cool. No, right. no, no, right? Um, who, so the rest of you are meat lovers? Amen. All right. All right, how about this pizza? Pizza, right? Who likes pizza? Now, have you ever had this dilemma? We have it in our family every time we order a pizza. I want this. She wants this. The kids, they don't really care, whatever. And so what do we have to do? Half the pizza gets made this way. Half the pizza gets made that way. Right? Right? Um, you know, who drinks nothing but water? What a tasteless life. Uh, but a healthy one, right? What, what I'm getting at is we all have different appetites, right? Who loves ice cream? Oh, man, good night. Jeez. All right. What, what am, why am I saying this? We all have different appetites. We all have different things that we like, okay? And, 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 and we all have this. But watch what God does. He says, regardless of all the different appetites, and that's fine. It's great to have all these different appetites spiritually within our lives, thinking of the things that you like to do, the fun things that you like to do. You like to hang out with family, the things you like to do with family. You know, even if you like to go to O's games, it's okay, God says. All right? Some of you will catch that later. That's cool. And, and, and it's fine, but you need to change your appetite if these things are taking a priority within your life over me. Over me. Image management. We want to Show off the right image in front of everybody. God's saying, you know, I want you to respect yourself. I want you to have, you know, that, that, that confidence. But make sure it never goes above me. Make sure it never goes above me. If we start pursuing God, and if we would start seeking God, suddenly you would begin to know and sense the benefits of walking with him. Being what? Led by his spirit. Empowered by his presence. I'm going to ask this question. I don't want an outward sign here. I want you to, who in the world, don't give an outward sign. But who in the world is tired of the way life has been lately? All right. Some people love direction. Others are rebellious. Think about that. You're just sick and tired of it. There's an equation that God simply gives us, and it starts with God, and it ends with God. When we begin to pursue him first, when we have a hunger and a thirst that comes after him, we must learn and begin to change our appetite. And watch this. That's not easy. That's not when you've been drinking soda, eating candy, having ice cream, pizza, and all this good stuff, and all of a sudden it's time to eat healthy. That is not easy. And here's what people do. I'm going to get around to that one day. I'm, one day, tomorrow I'm starting. Tomorrow, Monday, January the 1st, 2020, I'm going to start that. I'm going to work. You know, I'm, you following me? That's what we do. And we know what we're supposed to do. I'm helping you out here. It's like this. You're on the edge. I'm going to kick you right over. Because some of you are so close, you know how you're supposed to be living and what you're supposed to be doing. And you keep giving excuse after excuse after excuse. And God is saying, wake up here. Wake up. You want a different life. You want a different pattern. Let's start not tomorrow. Let's start not next week or next month. Let's start right now. 
But what we live a spirit-led life and empowered by what? God's presence. And then suddenly we begin to long for him in less of the things of this world, which brings nothing but what? Distraction. So what are you hungering for? Are we hungering and thirsting after righteousness? If we are, you will be fulfilled and you will be satisfied. It's not a question there. He says you will be. So that why doesn't this happen within our homes? Why don't we see our homes that blessed? Let me tell you what works and what doesn't work when it comes to building a, what I think is a Christ-centered home. But first got to look at two things that don't work. Number one is this. It's in your bulletin. Legalistic Christianity just simply does not work. I'm going to break these down in just a second. And the second one is this. Cultural, or you can put parentheses there if you want lukewarm, Christianity simply does not work. Legalistic Christianity and cultural Christianity never works. Let me give you some examples. What is legal Christianity? Legalistic Christianity. That's when we reduce Christianity in our homes to a bunch of do's and don'ts, cans and can'ts, should and shouldn'ts, oughts and ought nots. Don't do this. Don't do that. Don't do this. It's a rule. You're a good Christian if you always get these right. Well, let, let, me, let me help you out here. Jesus kind of squashed that when, when, when he simply said, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and mind. See, they had 440 commandments that they were living according to, the Levitical law. There. They're, they're, they're living according to these commandments. And they tried to, to stump Jesus. I, I, I spoke about this previously. And, and he said simply this, well, here's what you got to do. Love me. Love me. Love me. It's amazing to me that we, we allow this legalistic Christianity to come in of what we can and what we cannot do. Let me, let me just help you out. You're going to fail. You're absolutely going to fail. Now, granted, that's not giving you the okay to do all these don'ts. Because watch this. When you truly begin to follow and love the Lord your God with what all your heart, soul, and mind, the heart, the soul, and mind. It's, it's an equation there which will result in you changing your behavior. It won't be about do's and don'ts, oughts and ought not, should and shouldn'ts. It will be about living for God, living for Jesus, and everything else will fall into place. Are you following me here? We have made this so hard to live the Christian walk. When God himself said, do this, do this. Everything else falls in place. Love me. With what? With your heart, with your soul, and then with your mind. Now, here we go. What is cultural? Oh, oh, first, hold on. I want you to write this down. I love this. I love this. The problem is this. I don't know if this is in your bulletin or not, but rules without, it's not. I know it's not, right? Write this down. Rules without relationship always Circle the word always when you write it. Always leads to rebellion. Always leads to rebellion. Let me, let me repeat this to you again, right? Rules without relationship always leads to rebellion. In other words, we're, we're in a let's perform Christianity. It, it's kind of like this. My boys, you know, they're, 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 they're growing up and they know some of the rules within our home. 
And they just go through life. Now, granted, yes, they're going to break some here and there. And, and, and yes, dad overreacts sometimes, okay? But as they're growing up and we're going throughout our days, they know the rules. Why? We have a relationship. We have a loving relationship, son to, to, to father, father to son. They never have to question whether or not their father loves them. And I never question whether or not my sons love me because I know they do. And it makes it so easy for them to live out those rules. Why? Because there's a connection there. There's a love. Now what happens is if there was not, then those rules would become rebellious. Are you following me? And we would have a problem. How are you living your life when it comes to Jesus? Do you have that love relationship? All right, here we go. Um, the next one. What I define as cultural Christianity is that when we believe in God, but we allow the culture around to define how we live. Let me repeat that. That's when we believe in God, but we're allowing the culture around us to define how we live. In other words, we are only Christian in name. And we lack passion and we lack for the things of God. Jesus said in, in Revelation 3, and I'm, you know, he, he said, look, either you're going to be hot or cold or what? You're either going to love me or you're going to hate me. There's no way else around it. Brings us back to our theme scripture. What? Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. So let me ask that question here. Who wants to live a blessed life? We figure out what we got to do. So what I want us to do is uh, we're going to look at some main thoughts here. And in other words, what does work? Like in, in taking notes, I want you to write this down. As a family, we are not just a Christian family. Instead, we are a Christ-centered home. Let's not be just a Christian family, but let's be a Christ-centered home. Amen. Let's look at those statements. We're not just a Christian family. Then what are we? We're supposed to be a Christ-centered home. Unfortunately, where we live today, we can call yourself a Christian family, and that simply does not mean much any longer. Think about that. We can call ourselves a Christian family, but are we defining that through the way we are living? What are we defining? It says 80% or so of our country says, yeah, we're Christian, but they lack the Christ-centeredness. You can call yourself a Christian, but that doesn't mean that you're a Christian. There's a big difference between saying, oh yeah, I mean, you know, we're all Christians, right? I mean, we're Christians and we're saying no, no, no. And is Jesus truly a part of our lives? Is Jesus truly the center of your life? Is your home characterized by being Christ-centered? Jesus uh, in Scripture says that blessed are those who believe in Christ when it's convenient for them. Does he say that? Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, is what he says. We have to, what, begin to change our appetite. It's amazing to me of how conscious we are over what we are taking in physically and trying to live a healthy lifestyle. But spiritually speaking, we are living off of, watch this, I love this, Reese cups and Cokes. 
and we are wondering why we are gaining such heavy baggage. We are wondering why we are gaining such heavy baggage. We must learn to change our appetite. What? Every moment, every day, every bit of me needs to long for more of Christ. So here's a scripture. Psalm uh, 63 verse 1. Uh, David explains this. He gives a great uh, imagery here. He says, you, God, are my God. He says, earnestly, that means everything within me, that means I have a desire, I've got an emotional attachment, I'm going after you, I have a passion for you, earnestly I seek you. He goes on to say, I thirst for you, my whole being, what does it do? It longs for you in a dry and parched land where there is simply no water. You see that language there? He's saying, look, hey, I, want, I, I don't want you just when it's convenient, or when it's a, a, a Sunday morning, but I'm wanting you all the time within my life. I'm hungering, I'm thirsting. I've got an appetite, Lord, for you and only you because you are my God. So I'm gonna rework this scripture here and I'm not adding to and take it away, just an example. So please don't chastise me. Watch this. You, God, are our God earnestly as a family we will seek you we will thirst for you our whole family will long for you imagine if we made that as a principal statement every day of our lives and we truly meant it imagine the silly things that we live for in the place of god our image Would we change? Would we say, Lord, you know what? I, I, I get it. I need to go after you. I need to develop that hunger and that thirst for you. I need to be, watch this, intentional. Stop saying, well, I'll get to it later. I'll get to it a month from now. I'll get, it, I'll get to it January the 1st. No, being intentional right now, saying enough is enough. I'm tired of the results that I have been seeing I'm not seeing true change. And God, we need to hunger and thirst for more of you. Imagine if we would take on an attitude like that and we would begin to see things progressively change. Our appetite would change. The things that we were allowing ourselves to be caught up in sin are becoming obsolete now. We're able to overcome those. So how do we do this? How do we go from the practical level and, and really apply this into our lives. Watch this. It's almost like we need to do this. We need to help our family see that God as what? Loving, see him as approachable, and see him as involved. Right? Help our family see God as loving, approachable, and involved. That's simple. We know what? That he loves us. That allows him to be approachable. That you can go to him for anything and everything. Do you understand that truly? Do you really understand that you can go to your heavenly father for anything and everything? He encourages you to approach him. He wants to be involved in all that you do. So here's the first thing. Number one, I'm almost done. Don't worry. 
involve God in our daily conversations. Is that so hard? The other day, uh, last Sunday, in fact, after church, uh, we, we ended up, as a family, we went to the beach. And, you know, we're coming back right around where the sun starts, you know, going down. It's called a sunset, right? Mine went blank, sorry. And, and so we're driving, and uh, I just, so, you know, I grew up uh, in, in Baltimore. I, I see a lot of tall buildings growing up. We didn't see a lot of sunsets, you know what I'm talking about? It just went behind some big building, you know? And, and, and so as we're driving, if you've been somewhere long enough, you sometimes take, for, take it for granted, right? Sometimes you take your own family members for granted. There's another teaching all by itself right there. But so we're driving and, and we're, you know, we're on acetate coming off of it. And I looked over, we're coming off the beach. And I just looked, I said, Andrew, look how beautiful that is. And I said, that is just remarkable. I said, you know, I remember growing up, I never saw stuff like that. You know, and, and, and to be here where I am now and I'm looking, I'm like, wow, that is so great. And she looks at me and goes, yeah, we see it all the time. You know, <laughs> it was funny. It was funny. But, but in that moment, I said, how can people not believe in a God who created this? Sitting there at the ocean, and, 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 and he says, the waves can't go any further than this. How remarkable is that? He divides seasons into the fours. How amazing is that? How amazing is God? It's amazing. that Why can't we just involve him in our conversations? It's just saying, oh, wow, that was a beautiful sunset and moving on. Wow, look what God created. Look at everything around us. Look at the resources that God has given us as a family. Look what the awesome church God allows us to serve in. Wow, you know? That's, that's a good one. That's, that's a good one. That's a good one. That's the best statement all day. All right? Sorry, sorry. Not really. It's good. But we have so much that we could just say, God, you know what? We need to involve him in our conversations. How else can our children know? How else can our family, how else can our friends know this God? Involve him in it. All right, now here's the second one. Now this one's so cliche, right? It's like, well, you know the pastor's going to bring this up because he says something about it in every message. All right? And it's simply this. Is the, number two, is make church a non-negotiable. We don't redesign every Saturday night or Sunday morning whether or not we're going to church. It is what we do. We go, we serve God. We love God. We worship God. I don't care if you feel like it or not. We're showing up. You know, I had somebody do something for me today that blew my mind. I woke up this morning in a lousy mood. Anybody ever done that? I woke up this morning in a lousy mood. So I got up. I was doing my routine, going through the Bible, you know, and, and doing my, my personal devotional time. Then I got into y'all's devotional time, which is the message today, okay? And I was going through some of that. And here's what I noticed. I noticed as I was going throughout the morning, my mood had begun to change. So when it was time for me to go ahead and, and, and get ready for, to, to come here, all of a sudden on my phone, I got a text message. Now, this doesn't really have anything to do with being negotiated, you know, that, that church needs to be uh, non-negotiable, but I just want to share this with you because this impacted me 
so much. I got a text message from a friend who pastors in St. Louis, Missouri. His name's Joe. And it goes, and it was simple. I've been praying for you all morning. That, in that moment, watch, 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 watch. This wasn't, Kevin got himself out of a rotten mood. This wasn't because of my spiritual disciplines that I got out of the rotten mood, which it could have helped, don't, don't get me wrong. But I had a friend somewhere who God laid it on his heart to go pray for Kevin right now. I say that to say this, if God leads it on you, you better start praying. Because you never know what you could do in someone's life. But watch this, we need to make sure that church is non-negotiable. I'm not redeciding all the time whether or not we as a family are going to serve today Jesus Christ. It is what we do. I, how many college students I got in here that are about to leave for school? All right, we got, what, three over here? Any others? I know Caleb. Caleb is, yeah, he is too. So we've got, let, let me help you guys out. This happens a lot with college students. They go away. They've been in church. They're growing up in church. They're serving God. But all of a sudden they get that last bit of freedom because they go off to college. You better find a church. Find a church. I'm being serious about that. You need to, college student, Caleb, find a church wherever you're going. Find a church home. Look, the pastor won't be as cool as me, but that's all right. <laughs> church must be non-negotiable. You need it in your life so much. Don't fall from it. It's so e Watch this. It's so easy. Uh, you know what, man? I'll, I'll get to next week. Next week. It's a, I'm getting to know everybody. I'm just helping you all out here. I'm giving you excuses before you get there. Because I was in a Bible college and I had excuses. That makes sense, doesn't it? And, and, and you know, oh, yeah, I'll, I'll, get, I'll get to a church and... And I'm going to do this and that. You know, maybe, maybe next week. And next week comes what? Oh, maybe the next week. No, make it a priority. Find a good, healthy church and be a part of it. Get involved in it. it needs to be non-negotiable. All right, last one. I'm closing right here. Within our families, we need to show how it's a blessing to serve God. It's absolutely a blessing to serve God. There's nothing like it when we get to serve. There's not, nothing like it for, for the cafe people to serve. Our musicians to serve, our sound men, media men to serve, our, our, our teachers that do a tremendous job within our Kids City Ministries, Wednesday Night Heroes of Faith Ministries, Reality Youth Ministries. What are they doing? They're serving. Our life group people, what are they doing? They're serving. Our greeters, what are they doing? They're serving. There's nothing like serving God through service, but there's also no, nothing like serving God through being his child. Here I am, Lord. I love you. I'm here. I'm, 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 Jesus, you're the Lord of my life. And I've not been hungering for the right things. My appetite has been pretty lousy. I've been placing things above you instead of below you. I love how Joshua says it in Joshua chapter 24, verse 15. He says, then what? Choose for yourselves this day. That This day needs to be like really emphasized right here. It says what? Then choose for yourself this day whom you will serve. And he goes on to say, but 
as for what me and my household, we will serve the Lord. He's making a proclamation right there. He's making a stance. He has drawn the battle line and he's saying, no, this is who we serve and no one questioned. This is what we do and no one questioned. This is how we live. Don't waver it. We will hunger. We will thirst after the things of God. We will go after the things of God. We will be the men and women of God. We will serve God. Going into his house will be non-negotiable. I want you to stand with me this morning. So here it is today. This is your opportunity in this place to make a choice. We we have talked about what Jesus expects of us. We know what he's done for us. He died on that cross for our sins. He died on that cross thinking of you. He did it strictly for you. He loves you. There's nothing like you. He loves you. He loves you. And maybe you don't know who this Jesus is as your Lord and Savior. Maybe today is a day that you feel that urging, that longing inside of you. I told you, some of you are on the edge. I'm kicking you over it. Let's go all in. Let's let's stop straddling it. Let's stop looking at it and going, one day I'm going to do it. No, let's just go all in on this thing. Let's go in after the things of God. Let's Let's, let's correct the family portrait. Let's Photoshop it. <laughs> that was so dumb. But God wants to do that work in your life. And so I'm going to offer this question to you this morning. If you don't know who this Jesus Christ is this morning, I want every about every eye closed. And you want to make that commitment to him today, I want you to just raise your hand if that's you today. Raise your hand. I see that hand. I see that hand. See that hand? Fantastic. Put those down. Any others? Today's the day of salvation. Today you're making a choice to serve Jesus Christ from this moment. I see that hand. Thank you. More importantly, God sees it. Here's what I want us to do as a church. I want us to say a prayer. I want us to do it boldly. I want us to do it energetically. I want us to do it excitingly. Because watch this. We are a family. And we're proclaiming today that this household will serve the Lord. Let's pray. Father God, today I accept you, Jesus Christ, as the Lord of my life. Be my master and be my savior. Forgive me of my sins. And from this day forward, I choose to serve you in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Can we give the Lord a hand clap of praise? Amen. Amen. Now, this is going to sound kind of weird here, but, but who wants God in their home? Who wants to hunger and thirst after this righteousness that we've talked about today? Who wants him to be the first and the foremost thing within their home? I'm going to pray a prayer right now, but then we're going to do one more prayer. I'm doing like a lot of praying, all right? Let's pray. God, right now, we want you to be the Lord in every home, that we would seek you first in everything. 
God, that we would hunger and thirst for your righteousness, that we will go after the things of you and only the things of you, that we will not place anything else ahead of you, that you will be first and not second and definitely not last. But Lord, you will be the pinnacle. You will be at the top. In Jesus' name, amen. Awesome, awesome. Here's what I want to do. My college students, can you come right here? My three that are about to head out. Or even, you know, you know what? If you're a college student, just come up here. I don't care. All of you. I'm kind of putting them on the spot. All college students, come right on up here, right? Amen. Amen. And don't look at them. Look at me. I'm way better looking. Here's what we're going to do. I want you to stretch your hands. I want you to pray for each one of these. Because you know what? They're, they're representing the body of Christ. And they need, they need to be strengthened. And they need a covering over them. Amen? So let's pray right now. Father, I pray for our college students right now. As they go off into, into the endeavors that you have in store for them, into the institutions, the universities, the colleges, uh, wherever you're sending them, Father, Lord, and you've opened doors for them, God, I pray a covering of your angels over them. They are your children. They are living for you. And God, I pray that you would use them to reach others and their generations, Lord, for you. God, that they would be great examples of what it is to live as a young person, as a person who's striving for more in education, more knowledge, wanting more opportunity. God, open the doors you want open, close the ones you want closed. But God, we pray for protection. And we pray, Lord, that in all things, you will be first and honored and glorified in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you, God. All right. So here we go. Let the words of our mouth, meditation of our heart, be acceptable in your sight, O oh Lord, our strength and our Redeemer. In Jesus' name, everybody says, amen. We love you. Have a great day. Hallelujah. Praise the one who set me free. Hallelujah. Death has lost its grip on me. You have broken every chain. There's salvation.